I have asked Heather to put a slide up on the board. What is that? It's a little, it's a little fuzzy, but can you tell what that is? It's a mouse trap, or if it was bigger, we would call it a rat trap. Have it, how many of you have actually used a mouse trap before in your life? Yeah, setting it's easy, disposing it's a little harder, right? Um, how many of you have used a rat trap? I mean, yeah, rats are bigger and more vicious, and uh, the, the traps are actually bigger. Now, let me ask you a personal question. Have you ever felt like you yourself have been caught in a trap? Could be a mouse trap or a big rat trap, or how about a bear trap? You know, that thing that traps and you it is going to just not let you go. Actually, probably every person in this room has felt trapped at one time or another in their life. Um, maybe there are some in this room that are still trapped. The jaws of the trap have you pinned down and it's squeezing the life out of you. Now I know I'm talking metaphorically and you understand that. That when I talk about a trap that's in your life, it's something that you're caught in, you can't seem to get out of, and it is just squeezing the life out of you. Well, in today's text, we're going to study a man for 20 verses that is caught in the worst trap in the world. And the only thing that can get this man out of this trap is Jesus. And you know what? That is truly the answer for all of us. No matter what trap we are in in our life right now, we need Jesus. So I want you to grab your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 5. We're at the beginning of 5. And I hope that you've been enjoying and have been challenged by our Mark series as we go through it. Um, the Holy Spirit put the gospel together in a certain order and we're just following it. Thought that was pretty good advice. If he put it together, let's follow it the way the Holy Spirit put it together. So I'm going to start reading at verse 1, and we're going to read the first eight verses and then chat about it and then do a fill in the blank. Here it is. Now remember, context from last week, Jesus stilled the storm, remember? And they were in the boat in the middle of the night. And it picks up right now it is still the same evening it is still dark and they have gone across the lake not very far and they have landed in the garrison area verse one they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the garrisons and when jesus had stepped out of the boat immediately there met him out of the tombs because there was a seminary cemetery nearby actually what it was was a wall uh, and it was limestone, like just like this wall right here. And what they did is they carved out little caves in the limestone that is above sea level. And then inside the cave, they would chisel out a place to put their, their beloved family. And so this limestone wall is filled with little caves. Jesus lands, of course, on the shore. And there in the distance are these caves and the, this tombstone area or, or tombs. And then it says this, verse 3, uh, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. This guy had a demon in him. That's what it means. Verse 3, he lived among the tombs. So he's living in these caves with these, with these dead bodies. He's unrolled the stone away from these caves and he's actually living amongst the dead things. Wow. Wow. 
No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. This guy is one tough cookie. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, that is Jesus, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. We'll just stop there for a moment. Here's the very first fill in the blank. This man is in a trap. This man is in bondage. What is his bondage? He has a demon living inside of him. It's, remember, he arrives at night, kind of freaky, that this man, this wild, unkept, uh, not clean, but dirty, uh, he was naked. We find that out in another text, a parallel text. This guy is running around and he's taking stones. And you know how people cut themselves today? He's cutting himself. So whether it's suicide, he's also trying to kill the local townspeople, homicide. This guy is out of his mind. They subdue him every once in a while. They put shackles on him. And he is so superhumanly strong, he can actually tear the metal off of his wrist. This guy is possessed. And he's in bondage. Here are some effects of bondage. Nakedness, which just means a disregard for dignity. There are people that are trapped today and they, they just don't have any dignity within themselves that they don't care. Social isolation. They retreat to a simple shelter. The effects of demon possession, they always recognize the deity of Jesus. The demon will control their speech. They don't even have control over what comes out of their mouth. They're usually shouting and angry and out of control. And I don't know if you've ever been in some big cities and you've walked around and seen some people that are, they look insane. They just talk to themselves. They're yelling and shouting and screaming. Extraordinary strength. And again, they're trying to hurt themselves. Now, I want to leave that passage for just a moment. I want to tell you about a neighbor of mine. Not here but back in Missouri, he lived two houses down, and his name was Mitch. Still is Mitch. Now, he wasn't demon-possessed, just like none of you are demon-possessed, but boy, was he in bondage. He was in bondage to his sinful nature. He was in bondage to his dysfunction. He was in bondage to what we would call stinking thinking, where he's just not even thinking clearly. And about seven years ago, there were some things that happened in his life that totally just put him in a stronghold. He had lost his house because of drugs. He had lost his family, his wife and his two children. He had lost his father. He had just passed away. 
He had lost his job because his job was with his father in the plumbing business. And when his father died, he lost his job. So he loses his house. Get this. I remember visiting him in his mother's house because that's where he had to live because he had no other place to live. And they had to do emergency surgery on his gut. Something had gone wrong and they were moments away from losing him to death. Talk about a man that was in bondage. Now, I want you to see that the bondage of Mitch is kind of like the same bondage of the guy that's in our text. And I'm going to ask that you throw up the first slide of Mitch. This is Mitch. Mitch constantly was hurting himself. How about the next slide? He had nothing. Oh, at one time he had a boat and he had a house and he had several vehicles and he had his own business. He had lots of things. But now when I had him in my life, he had run out of everything. He had nothing, just like the man in the tombs. How about the next slide? This is how he felt inside. I have absolutely no value. I have no worth. And that's when those thoughts start thinking, maybe I should take my life. Maybe I should take somebody out with me. And he just had absolutely no value. And because of that, look at the next slide. Mitch hurt others. If he was going to go down, he was going to take somebody with him and he was going to go out swinging. Whether it was his ex-wife, whether it was his other ex-wife, whether it was the drug deal that went bad, whatever it was, he was intent on hurting others. And next slide. Like the man that's in our text, he was angry. Just angry. Out of control. The next slide. Mitch was in pain. Emotional pain, spiritual pain, physical pain. And like the man in our text, last slide of Mitch, Mitch was broken, just broken. He was in bondage, a slave to his own sin and living out the brutal consequences of his brokenness. Now, let's go back to the text because it's going to get good. Let's go back to verse 9. And it says this, or verse, Jesus was saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And then Jesus does this remarkable thing. He says this, Jesus asked him, what is your name? No other time that we see Jesus actually ask the name of the demon. And it's interesting, the demon replies, my name is Legion. For we are many. You know what a Roman legion consisted of? 6,000 soldiers. Now were there 6,000 demons in this man? No, I think it was hyperbole. But I think what he was saying is there's an army of demons. Now remember last week how we talked about Jesus was asleep in the boat and he was sleeping and suddenly this, this incredible storm comes up and the boat swamps and it's nearly going to drown. And I said that some theologians think that Satan was trying to kill Jesus in the boat in his humanity as he slept. 
Maybe these were part of that crowd. There's a whole army that has surrounded Jesus of demons. But look what happens. My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. Now, we know that Jews aren't supposed to eat pigs, right? Because they're not kosher. They're an unclean animal. This is part of the lake where the Gentiles lived. So, mostly it's Gentiles there. It's not Jewish people. It's Gentiles. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs. Let us have permission to enter into their bodies. Verse 13, so he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now the herdsmen, they fled and told it to the city and in the country. And people came to see it, what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. This incredible story, this narrative, this real-life event tells us that the man was in bondage. He meets Jesus, and in no effort of his own, Jesus cures him, heals him, takes the spirits and drives them out. And here's the next fill-in-the-blank. The man was set free. Jesus had just shown that he had authority over the waves and the wind and he has power over nature. And then right away he turns and he shows his disciples that he has power in in the supernatural realm. That even an army, a legion of demons cannot even stand up against just his one spoken word. He has power. And he had power to set that man free and he set that man free. The fact that the demons went into the swine and the swine freaked out and reacted in such a frenzy way was dramatic and convincing proof to all the sheep herders, not the sheep herders, pig herders, what do you call pig farmer, all those hired hands in the middle of the night that are watching the pigs know beyond a shadow of a doubt what has happened. Because now they see the man and he is perfectly sane, he is perfectly normal. Now, there are some responses to Jesus in our text that are the same kind of responses that we hear today. Look at them. Some people run away from Jesus. That's what they did. They ran away. I'm talking about the herdsmen. I'm talking about the people that just saw this miraculous event. In verse 14, it says that some of the townspeople are curious about this guy. What? What? You mean that? incredible crazy person that lives in the in the tombs he's in his right mind oh i gotta see this and some people respond to jesus just as a curiosity fact verse 15 some were afraid it said in our text it says the people got afraid of jesus that's interesting that he does a kind deed to this man and yet now they're afraid of him And what did they say? I think this is one of the saddest statements in all of Scripture. They asked Jesus to leave. Do you realize that? 
Jesus, I, I, you make me feel uncomfortable. Jesus, I don't, I, I don't like this because you're in control and I'm not. I would rather have you leave than to get to know you. And then, of course, in verse 18, we're going to see in a moment that the man's going to say, hey, can I come with you, Jesus? I want to go with you, Jesus. They knew the power of the demon and they couldn't control that guy with chains. But this Jesus, this Jesus guy, what kind of power does he have if he can take on a whole army of the enemy? Now here's the tension. The tension in the responses. If Jesus stays around in your life or in their life, what else is he going to change? If Jesus did that to those pigs, those unclean, dirty pigs, what's he going to ask me to do with my dirty pigs? See, we have some dirty pigs, don't we? They're unclean, and Jesus wants to clean them. And if we keep Jesus around, he, you know he's going to ask you to change some ways. He's going to ask you to change some thinking. He's going to ask you to change, to, to be a different kind of person. And if Jesus stays around, I'm going to have to get rid of my favorite pigs. Can or will send, can he or will Jesus send off those pigs with a bunch of drama? Well, maybe, so that scares me. Do you realize how often we're scared of the things we can't control? Let me say that again. Do you realize how scared we are of the things that we can't control? And Jesus is the one in control. See, when Jesus transforms a life, things around them change. Their life changes. Their activity changes. Their lifestyle changes. The priorities change. Ambition changes. Purpose changes. Attitudes change. The way you think, the way you process information starts to change because we come under the control of Jesus. I think I have a slide for you. Change is scary, but when you are broken, change is what you need, right? Somebody say amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's right. Change is scary. Nobody likes change intuitively. But when you are broken, change is what you need. And that's what happened to the man in our text. He met Jesus. Jesus set him free from bondage. And that's what happened to my friend Mitch. Change is scary, but when you're broken, change is what you need. And that change is Jesus. It's Jesus. Let's go back to the text. Verse 18. And they begin to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him. Begged him. It wasn't, hey, can I go with you? It was, it was more emphatic, and it meant repeatedly. He kept saying, can I go with you? Can I go with you? Can I go with you? He must have sensed that Jesus didn't want him to go. And he kept saying, can I go with you? Can I go with you? And what did Jesus say? Verse 19. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends, the people that you know, your family, those that you hang out with, 
and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that means a, uh, an area of ten cities. Deca is ten, uh, Polis is city, and so the, it's a ten city area. And he told people how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Here's the third fill in the blank. The man was commanded to go tell his friends about God's mercy. The man was commanded to go to tell his friends about God's mercy. Go to your own people. Now the man wants a fresh start, doesn't he? He wants a new identity. Do you realize if he stays in his town... He's always going to be the guy that they point at and say, remember when he was demon-possessed? Everybody that sees him is going to see the scars that are on his wrist where he tried to commit suicide. They're still going to point at that guy and say, remember that guy? And so you can understand this demon-possessed man or, or he's been set free. He says, I, I, don't, want, I don't want that identity anymore. That, that's my old me. I want a new beginning. I want a new chance. I want to live in a town where they don't point at me and mock me and make fun of me. I want to go to a place where I can be brand new. Could you imagine if you ran around naked and lost cruces in your neighborhood and then suddenly you get in your right mind and now you're in possession of yourself and you've given your life to the Lord don't you think you'd be tempted to move? Yeah, every one of us said, yeah. Why? Because we remember what we were like before. And people remember how we were before. You know, my buddy, the easiest thing for him to do was to leave town after he met Jesus. I'm going to get rid of my ex-wife. I'm going to get rid of my horrible reputation as a businessman. I'm going to go find a new, uh, a new place where I can craft a new identity. The hardest thing in the world for someone who has been damaged is to stay around. Stay running off and getting a new start. But Jesus doesn't give him that option. He says this, go home. Go home to your family. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. Do you realize that if God has set you free, you have a testimony? If God has set you free, you have a testimony. Because all of us have a testimony of what God has done for us. God shines out of our heart when we talk about what Jesus has done for us. That's what it says in Corinthians. It says, God has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge to the glory of God in the face of Jesus. God shines out of our heart when we talk about what Jesus has done for us. We swallow our pride and we say, yeah, I'm the guy that used to run around naked in the neighborhood, but you know what? I'm no longer that man. And yeah, it's super embarrassing. And yeah, you see where I tried to take my life and you remember when I threw the windows through your house I remember that too 
but I'm a different person now because God has come into my life. It says this, I think it's a, a passage uh, on Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Uh, next slide. Uh, next slide. Let's look at this. Okay, let's do this fill in the blank. The man was faithful. And then we'll talk about the next verse. The man was faithful. Last fill in the blank. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Let's go to the next verse. And then it says this, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere we go. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, but the other a fragrance from life to life. In other words, you carry around the fragrance of Christ on you. If he has come into your life, he has set you free, and you are now telling everybody how Jesus is living in you and how he's changing you and is making you into a new creation, you can't help but have Jesus shine out of your heart. It's just impossible. If you are loving people and giving him the glory and allowing Jesus to live in your life, Jesus is going to shine out of you. You're just going to radiate him. And to some people, they smell you and they're like, oh, I don't know what it is about you, Daisy, but I like the way you smell. Because they're attractive. That's winsome. That's beautiful. They don't know why, but they're, they're just attracted to that beautiful heart. And then there are others that scripture says that you're the stench of death because they have rejected Christ. So you don't have to do anything, but people get mad at you. Again, I've said this again uh, a few weeks ago. There's been more persecution of Christians in the last century than all the other centuries combined. Do you know that? The the Syrian refugees that came in, 99.9% were Muslim. 0.01% were allowed because they're a Christian, and yet the Christians are the ones that are losing their life in Syria because they're not Muslim. And we're not letting them in. That, that's that's going to flip. If you're in the minority, the new rule says then you're going to get preference. If, you're being, if your life is being taken from you, you get a preference. Everywhere this man went, he carried the fragrance of Christ with him, telling his story of deliverance. And it gets good. Jesus commanded him to go and us to go and to share with others what God has done for us. Heather, I don't know if I have another slide. I can't remember. That's it. I'm not telling you that it is going to be easy, but I'm telling you that it is going to be worth it not easy to live in the same town that you're used to run around and be wild like Mitch but it's worth it everyone that has been set free from that mousetrap that rat trip has a story of deliverance everyone who has been set free has a story of transforming power and revelation says this this is how we defeat the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony That's how you defeat Satan. 
by the word of your testimony of what God has done through the power of Jesus. Some of you might think, I don't have a story like Rob's friend, Mitch, or the man in the text. Yes, you do. You have a story. I have some more pictures of people I know. And this is their story that's a lot like your story and a lot like my story. This is Tammy. I was in pain. You know she's still in pain? She has had so many surgeries. She has some dilapidating, I can't say the word, dilapidating, dilapidating, a really bad disease that makes her bones just get brittle and surgery after surgery after surgery after surgery after surgery. She was in pain, but she was in emotional pain if you know her backstory. How about the next slide? This is Tula. She was bitter. God set her free. Is she perfect? No. Sometimes a little bit of that bitterness still can come out just like it is in you. How about the next slide? This is Janice. She was out of control. See, it doesn't have to be drugs. It doesn't have to be sex. It doesn't have to be rock and roll that has you in bondage. It can be bitterness. It can be anger. It could be you're out of control because you want to be in control. Janice's daughter was on a motorcycle right in front of Tammy. Tammy was stopped at a light. Her boyfriend was driving it and he swerved and flipped her off. She landed on her head and broke it open. Tammy saw it all. Next thing you know, we're down at the hospital. And then we're being airlifted to another hospital. And for the next year, Lindsay, it was just touch and go. The brain swells. You have to take the brain, the cap, the skull cap off and just, just... let the swelling expand and I mean she was out of control but God has delivered her from that how about the next slide this is Kimberly if you look closely you can see some scars on her how tragic it is that we hurt so bad that physical pain can actually bring relief to our soul And Kimberly used to hurt herself. But Jesus has set her free. How about the next slide? Paul was angry. See, Paul had a tendency to drink. And when Paul drank, he got mean. And all the farmhands and the farm buddies would sit around and they would complain and criticize all the girlfriends and women in their life. And then Paul met Jesus. And Paul isn't angry anymore. How about the next slide? This is Clifford. Clifford was one of, I think, nine or ten children. Kind of got lost in the shuffle. Not super brilliant, not super charismatic, not super anything. And he kind of lived part of his life thinking that he had no value. He contributed nothing. And then he met Jesus and suddenly realized that 
Jesus gives him incredible value. How about the next slide? This is Bev. She was broken. See, she has a neck brace on. She was broken. Her neck was broken. Spurs and things like that, not broken, broken. How about the next one? We need to just... This is Johnny. I was unable to speak. Johnny was kind of a dysfunctional kind of kid to the point that uh, he didn't take care of his teeth, he didn't take care of his hygiene, and to the point that he had to have all his teeth removed by the time he was 18 years old. That's what happens when you don't take care of yourself, when you don't feel like you have any worth or value. And in a way, he wasn't able to speak. Everybody else spoke for him. The drugs spoke for him. His pain spoke for him. But he never got to find his voice until he met Jesus. And suddenly, Johnny began to change. How about the next slide? This is Stoney. He hurt others. How about the next slide? He was in isolation. He was... <laughs> this is Dennis. Do you know Dennis lost his job right before I moved here? But he made a commitment that said, I will send you, Rob, $100 a month for your new church so that you can tell others about Jesus. And do you know that his wife works part-time as a janitor in a school and they barely get by, barely get by, and every month, he has faithfully, him and his wife, Frances, have sent this church body $100. They don't have two pennies to rub together, folks. But he discovered Jesus, and he discovered a church family, and he wants others to know about the love of being in a family. And here's the last one. Oh, yeah, there's Eugene. Well, let's get to the last one. This is Belinda. Belinda's a few years older than me. And when she was seven years old, a drunk hit her family car, killed her mother, killed her father, messed up her brother to the point that he has lived as a vegetable. And at seven years old, had to go live with some relatives. She was in bondage for a long time about being angry with God. And now she's one of the most beautiful women I know. Because she has a testimony of what God has delivered her from. We all have testimonies go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you are you in a trap Jesus is here to deliver you have you been set free then tell your story be transformed walk out your freedom there's a song that we've sang about our chains are no longer there. My chains are gone. We've been set free. My God, my Savior, 
has ransomed me, and like a flood his mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. You know who we are in the story today? We're the man that got delivered. And Jesus says, I know it'd be easier to run away and start all over again, but you have a story to tell. And it will encourage others.